The text is one you've just heard sung. I'm going to read it in a few minutes. But let me give you a little background to it. The, the text, like the psalm that we read, comes out of the period when Israel has been exiled. Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, and the Babylonians took anybody who counted at all back to Babylon where they could keep an eye on them and make sure they didn't cause trouble. Uh, after a generation of exile, the Babylonian Empire begins to wane, and the prophet looking out can see that the Persian Empire is beginning to rise. And what's interesting about the Persians is that they were the ones who would level a road. They didn't just lay it over what was already there. They would lower the mountaintops, fill in the valleys, and create a flat road. And so that's part of the background behind this. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain laid low. And he can see that Cyrus the Persian is going to open a way for the people to return back to their land. Let us listen to the word of God. Comfort, O oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, well, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his bosom and carry them in his arms and gently lead the mother's sheep. This is the word of the Lord. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Those are words of comfort that come to a hurting people. For too long, over a generation, they've been living in exile, away from their land, away from their homes, away from the temple, away from all that speaks of home and comfort. Some of them are even afraid that they're away from their God. Had God come with them into this exile imposed as Babylon had defeated their king and his armies? Were they alone and without God? How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land, cries the psalmist. Were the gods of the Babylonians more powerful than the God of Israel? In the past 50 or 60 years, the church has become exiled from a place of privilege and respect in this nation. Ecclesiastical types write about the disestablishment of the mainline churches. And for all the fancy language, 
that is something that quite a few of us in this room have actually experienced. You know, if you're my age, a little older, shortly thereafter, you remember, you know, church was packed. Sunday school had lots of children, full pews at both services. We had to set up extra chairs on special services. And a church powerful enough to keep stores from opening on Sundays and sports events from scheduling games and meets on Sunday mornings. In my town, the high school football game had to wait until the well-filled Thanksgiving morning service was over, and then the pep rally could march through town. You know, all that's changed. Now, we try to schedule youth group activities around school events. We don't stand a chance against swim meets and soccer games and forget about keeping the stores closed on Sunday. I suspect that all the commotion around prayer in public schools is as much about the decline of the church's role in American society as it is about morals or religion. Praying in school reminded people just how important we were. And not praying in schools reminds us just how peripheral we have become. And that's not a comfortable feeling. So no wonder it generates such heat. But just perhaps exile is not as bad as it sometimes seems. There's no doubt that being forced to rethink who you are and what you are about is not easy. That's something we're going to do here at Christ Our King, January and February, as we begin a mission study, which is the first step in the calling of a new pastor. It'll be a time to think about where we need to go, who we need to be, what out of our past we want to keep and what we don't. It's not always a comfortable time, but it is a very valuable time. And it certainly was one that prepared Israel for what was going to come later. Because Israel changed during their time of exile. You know, before they had been a nation with a monarchy and a religion that was really focused on the temple. Well, with the temple gone... In exile, they discovered a faith that was no longer dependent on that one place. And the rituals of sacrifice gave way to words. And they became a people gathered around the book. And they allowed that to shape both their worship and their moral lives. Now, I don't know what the exile of the mainline churches is going to bring us. But I do see us grappling with issues that we've really been allowed to ignore for a long time. Among them, what are the place of our GBLTQ brothers and sisters? We struggle with issues of authority, the authority of the clergy, the authority of scripture. And how do we do effective Christian education that doesn't just fill those Sunday school rooms, but gives our kids something that will take them through the really hard choices that they're going to have to make in life? How do we define ourselves as a congregation? And what kind of leadership are we going to need for the future? You know, the list of questions goes on and on and on, and answering them is not an easy thing to do. There are times when, like the exiles, we sit and weep for the Jerusalem that is no more. And yet, from the prophet, here are words of comfort to any who live exiled from the known and the familiar. Words of comfort to all who are cast into a strange and often hostile world. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem 
and cry to her that she has served her term, her penalty is paid. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The voice cries and promise fills the air. Why now? Why this time and not another? Who can tell? Perhaps the lessons have been learned. Perhaps the people are prepared. For whatever reason, the time has come and the prophet announces the good news of return. And like some new exodus, God will open the way and lead God's people back into the promised land. We will see the answer to the question, is God of Israel who wills return stronger than the Babylonian gods who will exile? And the answer will be yes. But it will mean change. Through the mouth of Isaiah, God says, do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Don't you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, we can't go back. The 50s are not going to come again. Well, at least not until 2050, and somehow I think that's going to be a little different. (laughs) The mainline Protestant churches will probably never again have the same place in American society. But surely the new place will have its own value. When I was in seminary, I worked for a church that in my second year there went through a hard time. And I remember saying to the man who was clerk of session, everything's going to be all right. We just don't know what all right will look like. Well, there have been a lot of times in my life when I've needed to listen to my own advice. Everything will be all right. We just don't know what all right will look like. Me, you know, I want to know. I want to have it served up the way I ordered it on my time. Don't you? But, you know, that's for God to decide. All we know is that God will find a way through the wilderness and a way that will bring us into a place that feels like home, a new promised land. Now, what I've said so far this morning has been mainly about institutions, Israel, the church, but you know it's also about us. Too often the day comes when we do find ourselves in one of those dreadful wildernesses, exiled from what we know and cherish. It may come through death or divorce or loss of job, maybe some kind of an estrangement. A beloved church has gone through a hard struggle and will never, ever be quite the same again. Whatever the reason, we find ourselves exiles in a strange land, longing for a world that will never come again. And there, too, God is preparing a way through it. Not on our timing, but on God's. Not according to our plan, but God's plan. The time will come when the exile will end, And we will come into that place where God is doing a new thing and it will indeed begin to feel like home, that beloved place. This is the good news for which we prepare this Advent season. God will indeed bring us home and like the good shepherd, feed us and gather us together and lead us. God will do a new thing in Jesus Christ. And the world, the world, our world,
will be forever changed. The uneven ground will become level, and the rough places a plain. Thanks be to God. Amen.